Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. And for more than 10 years with SNN, I've been doing interviews with microcap management teams at investor conferences globally, as well as online. Our SNN Live CEO video interviews are meant to pique interest, and then one can discover more by going to that company website. But personally, I always have more questions I want to ask. On this show, I'll be chatting with public company executives from microcap companies, and we'll dive deeper into companies that are rarely profiled. Microcap traditionally is overlooked, unloved, and absolutely never featured on legacy financial media outlets unless something material is going on that's a good story. With my experience interviewing management teams, having interviewed most of them before, I've built up a network of companies, so there will be no shortage of content. Furthermore, this is an opportunity for me to showcase some of the qualitative lessons I've learned from guests on the Planet Microcap podcast. You can expect high quality interviews with management teams that may have exposure to broader macro trends that you may never have thought of. One of the many reasons why I love the microcap space. So if you love microcaps and especially love learning about companies before the professionals do, let's start our due diligence. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party product services or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast. My guest on the show today is Loveleen Sidhu, CEO and co-founder of BM Technologies, Inc. It's a publicly traded company. The symbol is BMTX on the NYSE American. BM Technologies, formerly known as Bank Mobile, is among the largest digital banking platforms and banking as a service providers in the country, providing access to checking and savings accounts, personal loans, credit cards, and financial wellness. The BM Technologies digital banking platform employs a multi-partner distribution model known as banking as a service that enables the acquisition of customers at higher volumes and substantially lower expense than traditional banks while providing significant benefits to its customers, partners, and business. Loveline was recently named winner of Greater Philadelphia Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year 2022. She's also one of probably the youngest public company CEOs, not just microcap that I've interviewed. We discussed all of this and what banking as a service means and the opportunity for BM Technologies here, the T-Mobile partnership and the business strategy around BM Technologies announced merger with First Sound Bank expected to close in the second half of 2022. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Loveline Sidhu, CEO and co-founder of BM Technologies, Inc. Welcome back, everyone, to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And joining me today is Loveleen Sidhu. She is the CEO and co-founder of BM Technologies, Inc. It's a publicly traded company. The symbol is BMTX on the NYSC American. Loveleen, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you, Robert. I'm doing really well. Really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. It's great to have you on and congratulations, Entrepreneur of the Year, Eat Why. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Unfortunately, <laughs> I got COVID during that time and missed the award ceremony. 
but on my behalf, two superstar women in my organization uh, had the pleasure of, of accepting that. So that was that was awesome to elevate more women in the organization. Absolutely, and I'm sure it's only the first, right? Let's see. You know, <laughs> You're, you're very you're very young in your career. I'm sure it won't be the last one. So, uh, so let's dig into BM Technologies. I've been introduced to the name a few times from various folks in within my network. So I, I was really looking forward to learning a bit more about what you got going on here. Understanding, you know, uh, banking as a service and and mm-hmm. everything uh, BMTX has going on. But to start us off, um, because I want to get the full picture, what what would you say is that one line that best describes the company? Yeah, BM Technologies is one of the largest digital banking and banking as a service providers in the country today. So we can delve into what that means, but that's one sentence. Very good. Yeah, that's one sentence. Hey, it's harder than it looks to do that one <laughs> sentence. So that, that's good. So let, let's let's get into the history a little bit. You know, uh, can you provide us that overview and history of the company? And really, what was that original problem that BM Technologies was looking to solve? Yeah, so it used to be called Bank Mobile, and we sat under the umbrella of Customers Bank. And it was back in 2014, really, when the idea was emerged and it was pitched to Customers Bank. And at that time, there was still this sort of negativity that was still brewing from the 2008 crisis, where it was very clear that the financial system had been rocked for millions of Americans. Uh, There was a big bank sentiment and a lack of trust. Uh, that was building up. Um, And there was a shift in technology where there was new technologies available that really accelerated opportunities for banks to become much more digital and customer-centric focused. So combining the discontent of the consumer uh, from a trust, affordability, consumer-friendly standpoint and technology standpoint, uh, and being able to now solve them in a new business model that not only served the customer better, but also flip the, the business model of banking on its head, which is very branch-based acquisition historically. And now being able to acquire customers at significantly lower costs than historically and also serving the customer better. So that was really the thesis. We wanted something more affordable, um, better than what existed before, completely digital and utilizing technology. But the last pillar was we wanted it to be sustainable and profitable and have that sort of profitability engine that was at least equal to, if not better than traditional banks. And so that was the thesis that we started with. Absolutely. How, how would you say that's evolved over time? Yeah, it's been quite a ride. And, and I'm proud to say that we've accomplished really all of those pillars. And so under the Customers Bank umbrella, they actually incubated us and we stayed with them for about six and a half years. And then we went through the DSPAC process um, in 2021. And that's when we went public on the New York Stock Exchange in January of that year. And the only way we would be able to go public um, is to, to make sure that we were a sturdy, steady, growing, profitable institution. And that is what we demonstrated in our first year as a public company. Strong EBITDA, strong net income, strong revenue, cash flow positive, no debt, and we're, we're on a growth trajectory and doing very well. Absolutely. So I want to I still go back into in time, you know, in, when, when uh, Bank Mobile at the time was still being incubated incubated by customers, Bank Corp. You know, where did the, you're one of the co-founders of the company. Where did this idea come from? I mean, like I joked, you know, you're young in your career. What were you still, mm-hmm. were you still in college when you came up with this? I mean, mm-hmm. what's what love to hear more. Mm-hmm. 
It was really an evolution of many steps that took place in my life that led to where we are today. And so, you know, I graduated Harvard College in 2008 and I joined Lehman Brothers. And my first day on the job was the Lehman bankruptcy. And so there was this um, recognition of the fragility of the American financial landscape and the need for banks and financial institutions to help financially empower millions of Americans. That became clear to me in, in that moment as everyone was walking out with boxes and I was walking in and was asking HR, are we really starting today? Um, and simultaneously, other uh, sort of inflection points where my father was in banking his entire life. And I think by osmosis, he grew, you know, sovereign bank from a very small institution to the 17th largest bank in, in the country. Um, over his time there, and it was then sold to to Santander. And so I think by osmosis, somewhere in my system was this recognition of banking. And then add on top of that, um, I did work at Customers Bank, um, helping to look at different digital banking models that existed prior to going to business school at Wharton, where I took plenty of entrepreneurship classes. And I think that's where the idea started really brewing. And it was solidified when I joined Booz and Company uh, as a summer intern during business school in their financial services practice, helping a very large financial institution launch their own digital bank. And so a culmination of all of these different personal experiences really led to the idea back in 2014, which I then pitched to customers bank. And we grew a team under their umbrella and successfully IPO last year. You know, we have a lot in common in that respect. You know, I'm a family, family business here. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I owe everything to my parents and and learning from them from both sides. My mom has that uh, financial news kind of background, and my father was investment banker at Wall Street for forever. Really? <laughs> so, yeah. So I I mean, tell me what is what have been some of the lessons that you learned from your father that clearly has been an absolute success in banking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know one is just more attitude mindset wise. I mean, there's so many buzzwords that he's told me over the years that stick with me. Entrepreneurship, firstly, is no joke. There's definitely uh, a lot of excitement and wins, but there's equally as many challenges. And to really seize every challenge as an opportunity, where can we turn it and flip it, flip it on its head, reframe it in a way that opens new possibilities. Uh, tough times don't last. Tough people do is another one that really rings in my head. And And really the motto of never giving up, like, if you have a vision or you have a goal and that's important to you, many things are going to come in the way, but it's keep that in mind and keep pushing forward and persevering and determination. So that's more on the, you know, mindset attitude side, which honestly is probably the most important. Um, and then more on the banking side, he's, he's sort of been a veteran banker, but very visionary within that space. And so we were a great combo. He actually was the CEO of customers bank. Um, and so really combining forces where I came in with the technology, with the millennial mindset, um, and, and really that user experience, customer experience focus. And he was coming in with decades of banking experience, understanding the regulatory environment and teams that he had worked with that knew that stuff. And so combining both of those was really, I think, the best of fintech and technology with the best of a charter. And he and I together were able to, to create that. So you also, like me, had to update his LinkedIn post then too. Yeah. That, is that that's that's really what you're <laughs> that's telling accurate. me? That, that, that's right? accurate. That's accurate. Okay, that's what I that, that, that that's what I thought. Yeah, we're <laughs> here. Oh yeah. 
So, so let's, let's dive a little deeper into the business itself. Um, you know, I, I want to learn about all the, the company's full slate of products, you know, re- different revenue streams, but even before we, you describe that, what is banking as a service? Let's, let's properly define that for everybody. Yeah, I think that the industry as a whole struggles to define that, to be honest. But at its highest level, you want to be able to offer financial services and embed them potentially within the ecosystems of non-banks. And a lot of these non-banks have large customer bases that are extremely loyal, emotionally connected, uh, are really repeat customers. Um, and in many cases, adding financial services to that existing ecosystem really makes sense. Uh, It's a value add for the customer. And so banking as a service is really allowing those non-brands to be able to have the banking infrastructure to be able to launch financial services products. And that's all the way from uh, having access to a chartered institution, if that's what's needed for that particular offering, to the technology to be able to embed those experiences of account opening and money movement within their own systems, and then to actually manage the program from a compliance, fraud, risk management, BSA, AML, all the important components of banking. So in a nutshell, that's what banking as a service is. Today, we're most notably doing that with our largest client, T-Mobile, and offering the T-Mobile money checking account and savings account, uh, which we're really proud of. Very cool. All right. That was a great definition, and thank you for that. So, okay. So you mentioned T-Mobile partnership before. I keep saying before we get to that, but we will get to that in a second. So can you descri- can you describe the company's full uh, slate of products, services, revenue mm-hmm. streams? Yeah, our two main verticals are what I call higher education um, and banking as a service. And higher education is really our unique direct-to-consumer strategy in the digital banking space. But we acquire customers through a B2B2C channel. So as I shared with you um, earlier, that banks have traditionally really struggled with customer acquisition um, without spending hundreds of dollars, if not thousands, to acquire a customer. And so we found a unique way that can we acquire customers in a much more effective way where you bring that CAC down or cost per acquisition down and be able to service that customer over a lifetime uh, and, and the profitability for the company as well as serving the customer, both, both of them win. And, and so in the student business, what we did is we actually have solved a pain point for colleges and universities. And what that pain point is, is that colleges and universities around the country are actually dispersing billions of dollars a year in financial aid refunds. This is the amount that's left over after students' financial aid is applied to tuition and that needs to be sent back to students. It's a very burdensome process, compliance heavy, you know, uh, operationally heavy, um, and it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> so I'm sorry for that word, <laughs> but essentially that's what it is. And so we help alleviate that pain for them and help disperse these funds in a very compliant way. And, in, and, and at the same time, get exposure to their students who many times may have had their first bank account and in many times, and, and it's not a very solid or, or long-standing relationship, or they, they're, they're unbanked at this time. And so it's a perfect opportunity to introduce them to an account that is really in their favor. Um, low to no fees, um, really focused on budget management, savings, um, discounts at, at stores that are important to them, financial education. And so this becomes an opportunity for us to put forward 
uh, a checking account for them, but also offer them check or ACH options. And today through that vertical, it's our brand, Bank Mobile, um, where we offer that checking account product and we're opening several hundred thousand accounts today. So that's a little bit about the higher ed vertical. And then the banking as a service vertical is, you know, as I defined it already. Um, and, and that is really about the thesis of let's identify and work with um, awesome brands that we're really excited about working with that have the entrenched customer bases that are engaged, loyal, and can see a lot of value from embedding that financial services uh, as part of that ecosystem. And today, as I said, most notably, it's T-Mobile. We have announced that we've signed a, a, you know, a term sheet with a, another large partner that is you know, about the size of T-Mobile prior to the Sprint acquisition. So a very large, meaningful brand uh, as well. And so our goal is to continue to work with the best brands out there and to enable them to do what, what they want to do. Absolutely. Thank you for that. So let's now let's talk about this T-Mobile partnership, because I think that that is a good, you know, not just case study, but obviously it's a core aspect of what you guys are doing right there. But it, it I think it'll give a, a good place mm-hmm. to understand what you're trying to do and and the relationships you want to build for the future. So tell us a little bit about this relationship. And also, why is this important to T-Mobile? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that, you know, for, for T-Mobile, they are a, a brand that's really known as disrupting the status quo, really in the spirit of always looking at customer-centric solutions. What is not being addressed for the customer? It's the whole concept of their branding of on-carrier right? Which is, let's do the opposite of what you hate about all the other carriers. Let's go solve for that. And for them, you know, getting into mobile banking wasn't that huge of an extension, which is, hey, we're already the primary facilitator of your mobile, of your mobile experience. Um, and a natural transition of what you do every day on your phone is hopefully your, your mobile banking. And we know that, you know, Americans are pretty dissatisfied with their current banking experiences all the way from you know, interest rates to uh, fees to minimum balance requirements to, you know, just the, the basics. Um, and, and so, you know, embedding that and offering that as an extension is really about promoting their brand of continuing to um, find value where customers are, are seeking them. That is still not that tangential from their core business. And then within their own ecosystem, connecting their core wireless business to the bank account. So in what ways can they benefit from having this bank account within the T-Mobile ecosystem? So today, if, for example, if a customer uses their T-Mobile debit card to pay their monthly bill, they'll get $5 off. Or if they use the T-Mobile travel um, division, so T-Mobile has a travel division, um, to book their travel using their T-Mobile debit card, they also get discounts. Um, you know, so, and, 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 so it's it's really about connecting the dots between the ecosystem, and then also T-Mobile is all about uh, the vibe and, and and who you are and representing who you are. And we we announced True Name feature, which is on your debit card to be able to put whatever name you identify with, um, and that's something that T-Mobile stands by, and it's one of their core values. So in in a way, it's just extending that brand in ways that provide value to the consumer and subsequently provide value to T-Mobile. Very good. So just playing, you know, dumb, dumb here, you know, because mm-hmm. I like, I, I, I tend to ask, you know, I, I do that every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, help, help me understand, you know, like I, obviously I have a phone, 
I do mm-hmm. some banking on the phone. You know, I'm not going to say which bank I use, you know, for mm-hmm. trolls out there, mm-hmm. but you know, I have the app, I have my app. I just go through there. I can deposit whatever I need, mm-hmm. transfer, do whatever I need to do. So mm-hmm. why, why isn't, why is T-Mobile then needing or having this desire mm-hmm. to want to have their own kind of banking infrastructure versus mm-hmm. just saying, Hey, you got the app, you know, mm-hmm. go use that. Mm-hmm. You mean the app from another bank? Exactly. Yeah. I think that, you know, for them, they want to be industry leading. So they always want to have a differentiation. Um, You know, they, from the beginning had 4% on balances up to 3000 and 1% thereafter on the account. And so, you know, the the rate environment is changing rapidly over the last six months. But prior to that, we launched this in 2019 and you were earning one basis point if you're lucky. Um, And so uh, that 4% on balances up to 3000 was a huge hey, I'm clearly industry leading. I'm clearly providing you a value add that you haven't seen anywhere else. And then on top of that, they have uh, got your back overdraft protection. So every calendar um, cycle, you know, you have the opportunity to, to get $50 um, and to be able to buy your essentials. And as inflation is rising, as, uh, you know, it's become more difficult for the consumer as stimulus spend has, you know, been used already, you know, things like got your back overdraft protection uh, has been huge, hugely valuable. And then, as I said, your cell phone, you know, if, if you're spending what, $120 a month and you get $5 off, that's meaningful for people. Um, so it's really about thinking about what can T-Mobile do to differentiate from other banking experiences today and tying that back to their ecosystem or things that don't tie to their ecosystem, like they're 4%, but maybe that 4% is worth it paying someone $120 a year because there's more loyalty and there's higher customer lifetime value on the wireless account. Got it. Okay. So how would you say both verticals are on the higher ed and also the, the banking as a service, how would you say they're unique and different compared to some of your peers out there? Yeah, so I would say for higher ed, I mean, it's it's completely unique and different in the sense that our strategy of acquisition is what is truly so unique. So the fact that we have relationships and contractual uh, relationships with 750 plus colleges around the country, that's where one in every three college bound students in this country goes. So we have the largest market share by far. Um, and, and so the ability to be able to touch one in every three college bound students and share with them our brand and who we are and that we support their school and that we want to support them in their financial lives is a huge, um, asset for us. And, and also that portfolio of schools, it's 50% community colleges. So we're not talking about, you know, even though I love Harvard and, and, and that's my alma mater, we're not talking about those schools. We're talking about, you know, all around the country dispersed um, community colleges and, and these types of schools where it's really general America and, and being able to serve them. And today, you know, two thirds of our customers, there are women, two thirds are actually single mothers um, and, and two thirds are minorities. And so um, to be able to service that sort of demographic in, in a very unique fashion is, is unbelievable. But then on top of that, we're all competing for the same customers in terms of that banking experience. Like how much can you compete on that? Whether that's checking, savings, you add crypto, you add budget management, you add advice, you add this, like that's not where the, the max innovation is going to be. Because at the end of the day, you're always going to catch up. Someone's always going to catch up. So to us, it's about 
the acquisition channel. So how are you getting access to customers? How are you getting funded accounts on day one? And then are you doing enough to keep those customers, create that emotional connection and have a value uh, in your offering that can create a customer for life? So that's what we're focused on creating. Very good. And that's, you're talking specifically on the higher ed side, right? On the higher ed side. Okay. So then on the banking as a service side, what makes, what makes you guys unique and different? And then also what, what does that competitive landscape really look like? Yeah. On the banking as a service side, where we're really interesting is that, so we came out of a bank. So we were at a customer's bank, as we've talked about. We actually won the T-Mobile deal while we were still under customer's bank umbrella. And that's when we launched the program. And, and so we have developed a unique expertise where um, in the banking as a service ecosystem, there's typically technology providers. So they're fintechs um, and all they're doing is providing either the front white label experience, which many of them don't even have, which is a banking app, or APIs that n- these non-banks can embed for account opening for certain money movements, et cetera. But that's where they kind of start and finish. They, all they are is a tech player. But as I talked about in defining banking as a service, there's different components that you need to be able to execute. So one is the technology that I just said. The other is access to a sponsor bank. So you actually have the chartered institution to be able to offer debit cards, to be able to offer savings accounts. You need that. Um, and then there's the, the, the program management. Do you have the compliance expertise, BSA, AML, fraud management, uh, customer service, um, you know, et cetera. And so what we're unique is that under Customers Bank Umbrella, we were all of those. And as a fintech, we're missing the bank sponsorship piece, but we have the technology and we have the program management, which is very unique. Competitors like, you know, Galileo, Q2 uh, don't have that. They just have the technology. Um, And now, as you've seen our announcement last November, we're in the process of um, acquiring a bank and it's under regulatory uh, approval process right now. And we still expect that to close by the end of this year. And we've vertically integrated. And so every aspect of banking as a service under one roof, there's no one out there that's doing that um, that I've heard of. Potentially Green Dot is the closest um, that I've heard, um, but no one is doing that under one umbrella. So we just went from very competitive, one of the first movers to ever win a big deal, to having technology and program management, to now adding the sponsor bank under one umbrella. And that's going to really position us to be the best banking as a service provider out there. Absolutely. And you know what, that addresses a couple of questions that I had, because on one hand, I'm thinking, okay, how's BM building their moat? You know, what's stopping, you know, some of these other banks from, you know, launching their own tech? Clearly, your other competitors that have the tech, they... It, it, it's it's not easy, you know. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you launched you you announced that deal back in November, and mm-hmm. it's expected to close mm-hmm. at the end of 2022, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that. I, I was going to actually ask you about that a little bit later, but we might as well get there right now. So tell us a little bit more about this merger. You already kind of explained a little bit of the thesis, but going forward, even once hopefully you know it, it does close, you know, what does this corporate event mean for BMTX and its potential customer base? So I've always been a huge fan of fintech combined with a charter. That's why we were under customer's bank. That's why as soon as we spun off within the first year, we announced a deal with the bank. Um, and, and so what this opens up for us, I've already said, in terms of competitive market for banking as a service, it's unparalleled to have that all under one umbrella. And why other banks can't do it, it's hard. It's really, really hard for banks to now innovate 
and build API-enabled technology to be able to service brands that expect the best technology. And also this program management piece, they're not really good at it. They're just good at compliance and, and bin sponsorship. And then on the other side, the technology bass players don't want to become a bank because it's highly regulated. They don't know how to do it versus we grew up underneath the bank, the 250, 300 people. Uh, well, we have 300 people, but 100 of them are tech product and UI UX. But the other 200 are all banking people that know how to run a bank. Um, so no one has that expertise out there as a fintech. That is so unique for us that we have a banking team. Um, so anyway, as a bank, we become competitively positioned within banking as a service. Number two, we don't just become a deposit, low-cost deposit acquirer, which we are today through our banking as a service and student business. But now we're able to utilize both sides of the balance sheet and, and use those deposits to be able to invest them in an asset generation strategy that creates NIM or net interest margin expansion opportunity and also stability and sustainability because otherwise we were always you know, um, dependent on a sponsor bank. What price are they going to give us for our deposits? Are they going to share any of the net interest income? Always having to negotiate our future rather than owning it. And then, as you said, cross-sell opportunities. So as we're building out an asset generation platform, as we're combining with First Sound Bank's commercial business with small business and expanding our consumer business into small business digital banking, there's huge untapped revenue opportunities that uh, we have in our future. So, so my next question for you as well is, um, you know, you've, you've done, as you say, you've been a public company now for about a year, year and a half. Um, mm -hmm. been going to the conferences, you meet with investors, you probably met even maybe with some folks that are watching this today, mm -hmm. you know, what, what would you say after, you know, that meeting or even beforehand, or what, what would you say investors have been getting most confused about when they, when they think about BM technologies or your frequently asked questions, maybe we can address them. Well, I think a lot of the questions they ask are similar to what you asked today, understanding what is our business model? How are we differentiating? How are we creating a moat for the future? And how are we creating growth opportunities for the future? All of which we've, we've covered now. In addition to that, um, you know, I think that they're, they're looking at sort of the way that we became public, which is through a SPAC. And, and I think that SPACs have um, gone from the darlings in 2021 to probably the worst thing in 2022. And, and unfortunately, we're getting hit by that sort of mentality um, of SPACs allowing many companies that maybe weren't ready to go public to be public. And so what I mean weren't ready were that they aren't profitable. They had, they had the opportunity to be able to project far into the future of what they thought that they might make. And, and it was so intriguing. It was like almost these venture-backed companies had an opportunity to go public. You know, as I said to you in our opening remarks, you asked me, what, what are you trying to build? And one of my pillars was a profitable, sustainable business. And so we don't fall into that. Um, and we have a business that is profitable today, that is cash flow positive, that has no debt. And kind of reminding um, investors of that, that don't get lost in the SPAC story. Don't get confused by what's happening there. Um, our fundamentals speak for themselves. And so I, I'd say that that's one question that, you know, uh, we, we get or have to prove ourselves that, hey, let me remind you, we're not an ordinary, you know, SPAC uh, based company. Not only that, and look, it's something that I 
deal with too. And I, I'm always constantly reminding myself, like being in the family business, you know, mm-hmm. getting my start within that infrastructure, you know, I'm, I'm sure you experience the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, right. I'm, it, mm-hmm. it is what it is. You know, look, yep. so, I, I had an idea. I'm thankful I had the support of my parents and here we go. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah. I, I think that, um, I, I think the combination, as we've talked about, of Customers Bank and Bank Mobile and the history of really combining, you know, the, the best that my dad's experience in banking brought to the technology that I've built here has been a huge asset. And I, I think people recognize that. And, and, and um, you know, there may be remnants of uh, what does that mean, but it really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, are you performing? Are you building? Are you growing? And that speaks for itself. And, um, you know, that's what we're doing. hundred percent. And I, and I, and I think you've handled it with, with grace. Cause you know, people can be mm-hmm. annoying, annoying when it comes to that stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to, I, I asked this to everybody on here as well. You know, mm-hmm. um, obviously there's a lot of exciting things going on in BM technologies, the, mer- the you know, acquisition, mm-hmm. closing of the merger, hopefully later this year, uh, mm-hmm. T-Mobile working on all these other deals, but have to ask, you know, in your opinion, what would you say are some of the company's downside risks? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's no denying that any digital bank that isn't worried about fraud and cybersecurity would be lying or aren't doing their job. So I think being in the digital banking space and, and really uh, being a digital company, um, and we've seen, you know, cyber risk stories, you know, everywhere now. It's, it's coming very commonplace. Uh, big brands that want to get into banking as a service are getting breaches all the time, right? So it's it's like, how do you make sure that you have the best in breed um, security, cyber risk team, information security, um, you know, protocols to make sure that you can support these large programs in the most prudent um, fashion? Because nothing matters more than uh, protecting customers and their information. Um, and so I would say that um, it's, it's not a risk. It's, it's, it's a risk of, that is uh, not a risk that is unique to us. It's a, r- a risk that is prevalent across the industry and in banking as a service in general and in digital banking. So uh, I think it's important for us to always evolve, learn, grow, and never stop growing and advancing in, in managing that risk. Absolutely. And, and, and at the same time, there's always execution risk, right? That's just part mm-hmm. of the game, right? Because it, it sounds like right now the main goal is, okay, like we said, you announced the merger, the merger, hope planning on closing second half this year. You know, you got T-Mobile, you got other things in the pipe. I mean, is that really the, the company's focus right now? Or are there other acquisitions out there that you think will also help add to, you know, your feature and product set? We're, we're opportunistic. We'll always be looking at what is value additive to our business. Our number one priority right now is to be successful in combining a technology company with a charter. Um, and so that's our, our number one priority to, to be successful in, in doing that and creating that ecosystem um, and, uh, you know, and really growing our existing business and the student business and our banking as a service business. We're super excited about the new banking as a service client that we've won. Um, and, uh, yeah. In in running a public company, like we said, probably ad nauseum at this point, uh, mm-hmm. company's been public now for about a year, six months, mm-hmm. you know, have there been any hiccups or, or experiences that you've had so far that have been challenging and mm-hmm. you've had to overcome? 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so earlier this year, we had a couple of hiccups um, with getting our filing in time, uh, but that's really behind us. Uh, we've, we've learned a lot from the experience. We've actually changed auditors are, and have recently announced that we are with KPMG, which is a world-class auditor, um, and are really putting that behind us and looking forward to reporting our Q1, Q2 final um, numbers in, in August. So please look out for that. And uh, I'm happy that this is now behind us and we can look forward. Next question then for you is, where do you see the company in three to five years? And what would you say are the inflection points that will get you to that point? Our priorities over the next three to five years are, are very clear. So number one is become a fintech bank. That's exactly what I'm talking about, combining our technology with a chartered institution, combining our deposit gathering acquisition engine with an asset generation strategy that really provides net interest margin opportunity, um, expansion, and really sustainability um, of our business and cross-sell opportunities beyond the checking and savings, which is typically what we sell today and going beyond that. And expanding from just consumer to also small business digital banking. Number two um, is, is really our banking as a service business. So we have um, T Mobile and we've grown that business successfully. Um, and we've had another on the roster now, which they're very secretive about, and we will likely not be able to announce until after they launch uh, next year. Um, but we're super excited about that. But our goal is to continue to work with the best brands. Uh, you know, three to five brands over the next three to five years would be a win for us because we're not in the business of having a hundred clients. We're in the business of scaled, working with scaled brands that want a high touch, high tech experience. And that's what we deliver. So every 12 to 18 months, bringing on a new banking as a service client is a huge priority. Number two, number three is our higher ed business. We've done an awesome job of acquiring hundreds of thousands of accounts a year there, but really developing that product and enhancing it in a way where we're offering checking and banking products, lending advice, crypto investing, insurance, and creating a customer for life and keeping as many of those customers happy is a third priority um, for us. And, um, and, and lastly, fourth is, is, is culture. Like if you're a steward of 300 individuals and we're only growing uh, our, t- our team over time, that we want to be a great place to work. And not only are we creating meaningful journeys and careers for people, but they are then incentivized, motivated, and inspired to create the best products and experiences for our clients. And so that's how I'd kind of wrap that up. Very good. All right. I got only two more questions for you real quick. You know, mm-hmm. um, as we said, you've been a public company now, uh, public company CEO for uh, last year and change. You know, mm-hmm. how much, if at all, have your shareholders influenced your decision-making process? I would say that shareholders, we are fully accountable to shareholders and, and, and um, it's important to keep them informed. It's important to have a trajectory and a roadmap where we're creating value for shareholders. That's one of our number one priorities. In terms of decision-making, we'll never change our strategy and what we believe in because of short-term sort of um, fads or perspectives. Uh, we really invite and value 
um, shareholders that have a longer term perspective. We're building something here. I'm not building a company for quarter to quarter results. I'm building a company over the next three to five years to create a lot of value. Uh, and those that understand that trajectory, that story of what we're building and stick with us, those are the ones that I love conversing with, hearing what ideas that they have, um, you know, potentially putting us in touch with partners that can be helpful to us. Um, and so that's the way that I would say we interact with, with, with investors. I mean, come on, you, you could have been a flourishing crypto company if you had just thought about it like that, right? I mean, you know, why not? Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so to close this out, um, I mean, what, what would you, how, how would you rate your experience thus far being a public company CEO? It's not an easy job. You know, how, how has this experience been for you so far? Um, it's a ride of a lifetime. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a blessing. I will never forget this experience that, um, I've had and, uh, you grow tremendously. I think that we just talked about, I'm not building this company quarter to quarter and building it for the long run. But what I do like about quarter to quarter is that it makes you reflect on the business at such a important pace and, uh, you know, cadence that's very regular. And so it's really makes us look at our company and make sure that we're constantly not never taking a break from thinking about how do you create value going forward. It's tough. Uh, it's, it's a tough job. You're right. Uh, but it's equally as exciting. And the balance between the two is important to keep, uh, you know, in, in balance. Um, and, and so far, we've, we've, we've had some hiccups in the beginning of this year. Uh, we're back on track, and uh, I think we're going to be very successful in the public markets over time. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, with that, where can our audience go and find more information about BM Technologies? Yeah, we have a website, BM Technologies. Uh, our direct consumer offering, if you want to bank with us, it's through T-Mobile. It's called T-Mobile Money Checking Account, whether you're a T-Mobile customer or not. That's a banking product that's available to you. Um, on our website, we also have an investor relations page that really outlines all of our filings, our press releases. Um, and, you know, in, in August, we haven't announced the official date yet, but we'll be announcing, um, you know, our, our quarterly uh, results. And so looking forward to hopefully having uh, more eyes on us because we want to be known because we're an exciting story. We, we believe we have so much value and we're undervalued today. And uh, we'd love to get the long-term investors uh, that are interested in us to know about us and join the journey. Very good. Well, lovely. And thank you so much for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to, your next, to our next update. Thank you, Robert. Have a good one. Thank you, you too. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast.